Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another Bible study. We're in the book of Galatians, so if you have a Bible, please turn there. And I encourage you, as I have said before, I encourage you to, if you don't already have a Bible, that you would say, this is my Bible. It's the one that I read regularly. It's the one that I maybe underline or highlight things in or make notes in the margins. It's, it's one that I share my life with, that I'm keeping constantly throughout my life. If you don't have a Bible like that, if you just use your phone or your tablet or whatever to electronically look through, I, I would encourage you to get a, a physical Bible. And I'm not just saying that because I'm old school or whatever. There's just something to having the written word on the page, and being able to remember, oh, what's that one verse I remember? It's on the left-hand side of the page in the second column down towards the bottom. You can find things and remember things more easily because your brain has kind of memorized some of the pages and the layout, and it's a lot easier to get around. But not just for ease. I'm not just saying that for ease. But if you use the same Bible over a long period of time, you will have shared much of your life, and your life will be sort of worn in by the wear in the Bible. And if that sounds like something you would rather not do, I will say again what I always say. This is God's Word, and He has chosen to speak to us in His Word. He has spoken into darkness, out into nothing. He spoke and the world was created. And that world fell, became corrupted. First by one of His creatures, whom we call Satan, and then next by His creatures, Adam and Eve, humanity, whom Satan had deceived. And into that corrupted and twisted and fallen and broken world, this darkness that lays over His creation, God has spoken and brought light. The world is a dark place. Do you realize that? And I'm not just talking about our times right now in 2021. The world has always been a dark place. It's been way darker than our world has in the last couple years. It has been way darker than that. And when God speaks, it's like light illuminating a dark and dangerous path so that you can actually see, so that you can live. Jesus said, The words that I speak to you are spirit and life. Spirit and life. Do you want to hear? Do you want to be alive? Do you want to experience what Jesus called life abundant? You would do well to heed his word. So I encourage you to do that on your own, as well as listening to to these or or 
anyone else who proclaims the true gospel. So that's just a little, that's my intro that I always have in there. But to, to kick off the teaching for today, we're in the book of Galatians just after the introduction, the introductory greeting. And in this section, verses 6 through uh, 10, I guess, uh, actually 9, I think 10 should fit in with the next, um, with the next section. What Paul is doing is he's giving a warning. You know, we're, we're used to seeing warnings. We see them all the time, you know. You might see, come up to an electric fence, it says, warning, high voltage, you know. Or uh, you might come to a house, it says, beware of dog. Um, or, you know, I've used this before, but in your side view mirror, it might say, warning, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. Warnings. Warnings exist because the world is a dangerous place. Warnings exist because there is danger and we are vulnerable. In this section that we're going to read, these three verses, Paul is giving a massive warning to the church. Let's read it. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, Let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. We're going to stop right there. Wow. Accursed. Anathema. Paul is calling down a curse on people. Now this may seem extreme, and it is, But it only seems extreme to us because we don't really understand what is going on here. So the situation that Paul is talking about, his his astonishment at people abandoning the gospel and going to a false gospel, because he says it's not really a gospel at all. It's close enough to try and to sort of bear the name, but it isn't the real thing. What had happened was Paul had been a persecutor of the church because he thought that's what God had called him to do. He thought that following the Lord, the God of Israel, meant that he should stamp out this new sect, this new heresy full of blasphemers called the way that was made up of people who followed this man, Jesus of Nazareth, whom Paul thought was a false messiah. And the Lord Jesus met him on the road as he was on his way to persecute more of the Lord's children in another town, knocked him off his horse and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And instead of the Lord judging him right there on the spot, taking his life away, he made Paul his own instrument, 
chose Paul to be on his team. He extended to Paul grace, and the Lord never forgot that. Sorry, Paul never forgot that. Of course, the Lord never forgot it either. (laughs) But Paul never forgot it. And Paul knew because he had been a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had followed the law to a T. He had done everything that there is to do according to the law. And he had discovered through this encounter with Jesus that all those works of the law had actually driven him away from the Lord. They hadn't drawn him towards the Lord, but had driven him away, away from the Lord. It's likely that the idea behind all of that was that the mechanism by which human beings draw near to God was the law, was following God's law. That was a mechanism, a ladder that you could climb that would get you closer to God. What Paul discovered was that was not true. In fact, the ladder might be something that's descending toward hell, not ascending toward God. So you can see why Paul is upset here, because what had happened, and you can read about this in the book of Acts. Paul's conversion is in chapter 9. If you read chapters 9 through 15, you will see most of what we're going to see in Galatians. It's one of the reasons why we know this is an early letter. What had happened was Paul had gone about. Paul, after Jesus met him, was in the Arabian desert, went into Damascus, Then he tried coming back to Jerusalem to say, hey, I'm on your team. And everyone freaked out because here comes the Terminator. (laughs) You know, the guy who had been sent in to destroy everyone. He's like, hey, I'm on your team now. And it is kind of like the Terminator. If you see the the first Terminator movie, you see that Arnie is the killer robot out to kill Sarah Connor. So in in the second movie... Sarah Connor doesn't know it, but Arnie has been reprogrammed to protect her and her son John, but she doesn't know it, so when she sees him, she freaks out and runs the other way. This is kind of what was happening in Jerusalem. Paul shows up and they're like, ah, this guy's going to kill us, except for Barnabas. Barnabas sticks with Paul and says, no, 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 He's, he, he truly is on our side. The Lord has, has changed him. And they, uh, and they had said, you are just too hot for Jerusalem. Paul, why don't we send you out with Barnabas? And they go out and they go back up to Antioch. And it's the church in Antioch that sends them off into Asia Minor, into an area known as Galatia, among others. And as Paul had planted churches, behind him had come other people from Jerusalem, probably some of Paul's colleagues from before, who hadn't had the same experience as Paul did. And so they genuinely believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And they came and they came to these churches in Galatia and said, you believe Jesus is Messiah, and that is correct. But you know that Jesus was Jewish, and Jesus followed Torah. And God has given Torah as a gift to us, to his people. 
And the way to be faithful is to follow Torah. And the main, the, the, the main thing that you're going to see here is circumcision, is, is receiving the sign of the covenant. That's the, that's the main point of contention in this letter. So Paul blows up. He blows up because he knows that if you add something to Christ, you actually take away from Him. He knows that this is a false gospel. It actually takes away from God. Because what is actually being said is that Jesus is not enough. What you need is Jesus plus something else. And Paul knows that that something else is a rival to Christ. It means that Jesus isn't really a Savior. He's only the almost Savior. What you need is Jesus and another thing. In this case, it's circumcision. But that's representative of the whole law. It kind of reminds me of many, many, many conversion stories I've heard. In fact, my own experiencing. Where you meet the Lord. You discover you've been His enemy. And that He forgives you and takes you in. And He loves you as He's loved you all along. And He forgives you of your sin. And it's so wonderful. You go to groups you go to church, you go to Bible studies, you just can't get enough. It's like being in love. You're almost heartsick for the things of the Lord. And then something happens, your friends, maybe the ones who encouraged you in the Lord and pushed you that direction, they, they start saying, well, you know, now that you know Jesus, now we got to work on some things, okay? Now, let's start moving, get, getting the sanctification ball rolling on you, okay? Now that you've heard the good news, now that you've met Jesus, let's get on to the real business, which is X, Y, Z. That's not the gospel. Now, to be fair, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that sanctification isn't real. Or there, there, are, uh, there are no family values in the kingdom and that our behavior does not matter. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is that that is not the gospel. That is not the real meat. While the good news of Jesus saving us is just sort of the, the appetizer. The warm-up. Paul is upset, and rightly so, because Jesus himself is diminished insofar as we take the focus away from him in this heart-to-heart -heart relationship with him that he himself has begun and drawn us into, and we start focusing on things like behaviors. Because you know what that is actually doing? That's turning the focus away from Jesus and onto ourselves. 
Then it becomes all about me and my behavior and my walk and how I'm doing with the Lord. Not about the Lord Himself and what He has done for me. The Gospel is not about what we do for Him, but about what He has done for us. That's the Gospel. And praise Jesus for it. Paul calls down curses. This is so serious. And Paul is actually following in a line. He's following behind Jesus because Jesus Himself called down curses on people who made little ones stumble. In fact, in Luke 17, Jesus says, Woe to the one who makes one of these little ones stumble. He says, It would be better that you had a millstone tied around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. It would be better to be executed, to be drowned than to be misleading. Not just little children in terms of like, you know, under 10 years old or something like that, but those who are susceptible, those who are new, who don't know any better, who trust you, those who are trusting their betters. Woe to us if we mislead them. And woe is me, a curse on me, if I mislead any of you or any of God's children. Paul calls down a curse. And he says in verse, um, in verse 8, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Even an angel. With all due respect, many of the religions following in the Judeo Christian realm are false gospels and were founded because somebody had a vision where an angel spoke to them. Specifically Mormonism and Islam. And there are others And with all due respect to those who follow them, this is a false gospel. They are not the real thing. So what do we do? What are some false gospels in our world today? I'm going to mention four of them. Four false gospels. The first one is, you may have heard of it, called the prosperity gospel. This is the idea that God's wonderful plan for your life is that here and now in this age, you should experience all kinds of wealth and prosperity. And if you can just get your faith right and get your life right, 
and give a little bit of money to the preacher, your life will get better. That's a false gospel. It's not true. And those who proclaim it, according to Paul, are cursed. A second false gospel is what I call the gospel of moralism. And I had just mentioned this before. It's the idea that really what God is interested in is making moral people, is making people moral, behave right. As though God would be perfectly happy if people would just be nice and behave right and nobody actually loved him. Nobody actually loved each other, we just all behaved well. Or another version is like what Islam teaches, which is that all of your deeds will be counted up at the end of your life. And on one side of the scale is all the good things you've done, and on the other side of the scale is all the bad things you've done. And whichever way that thing tilts, that determines whether you get heaven or hell. The gospel of moralism is a false gospel. As I said before, it's not about, it is not, I repeat, not about what we do for God, but what He has done for us. It's about how great God is. Not about how great we are or could be. The third false gospel, and this might actually get under some people's skin, is what I call a false gospel of divine assistance. This is the idea kind of that Paul is getting at here. And that is that Jesus came not to bring us true salvation, not to give us salvation entirely, but to give us a sort of partial salvation. So that he lends us some divine assistance, but there's still some of it that we got to take care of ourselves. And if we don't pick up our slack, that's it, we don't get in. Divine assistance in the sense that we need divine assistance, not divine salvation. We need assistance. We, need, we try really hard, we do our best, and then God sees and notices that we do our best, and He says, oh, I'll give you a hand. I'll pick you up a little bit because I know you're doing your level best. That's a false gospel. The other way of it being the, uh, divine assistance is a more modern version of this. And the idea being that God's plan is to, uh, is to fix the world. God's plan is to take this age and progressively make it better and better, and He needs us as His assistants to bring that about. So we are the divine assistants. God wants so badly to fix the world. He wants so badly to heal the world. But you know what? He's not going to do it unless we do it. This is a false gospel because it binds God to us. It really makes us God because God can't do anything unless we're doing it. 
It's a false gospel. The fourth false gospel, you might have heard this term before. I get it from Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, um, Cost of Discipleship. That's the false gospel of cheap grace. Cheap grace. And this is the idea that, oh yeah, it's all about God. Because he forgives everyone. Because that's just what he does. That's the kind of God he is. He just forgives everybody. And, you know, he says, go, go ahead, move on with your life. I've forgiven you. Yay. It's a false gospel. Yes. Yes, the Lord has moved in in his own life to purchase our redemption with his own life. But the point of all that is not so that we're then free to live however we want in our carnal lusts and our carnal flesh. That we could just always remain the same but enjoy the prospect of overcoming death. No, He has saved us into a family. He has saved us at great cost to Himself. I've only mentioned these briefly, but these are four false gospels. How do we overcome them? By the true and real and living gospel. And what is that? Well, we can go back to Paul's opening here where he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. That's the gospel. You know what the gospel is? The gospel is that the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father had a plan and a desire to live forever with his people. But there was a great barrier in the way, and that barrier is called sin. And sin is the mark of this present age which is evil. And God gave himself to deliver us from sin and evil so that we could live forever with Him. That is the Gospel. See, the prosperity Gospel is false because it puts all the stock in this age. It doesn't actually believe that this age is evil. Gospel of moralism might believe that this age is evil, but it doesn't believe that we truly need to be rescued from it, but just that we need to be well behaved in it. Or that our good behavior is what will allow us to be rescued in it. No, 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 no. It was God's plan to give Himself. That's how we would be rescued. He gave himself. 
My grandfather just died recently. I mentioned that before. I've never felt so close to death and felt the pain of separation. You know that graveyards used to always be on the church property. They used to be right next to the building. They were a constant reminder that we live in a broke, dark, evil age. Because as good as this life is, and as good as it can be, it still has death in it. And as long as death is in it, the age is evil. I miss my grandfather. And his death is hard. It reminds me that we need to be delivered. We need to be delivered from this age. And there's no amount of my working, my doing, that's going to do that. I could be the most saintly person who ever existed. And I'm still going to die. And the people I love are going to die. Because the age is broken and evil. And we all need to be delivered from it. You need to be delivered from it. And I need to be delivered from it. As long as death is a part of this world, we are not experiencing deliverance. We need it. If you're listening to this and you don't know Jesus, you need to know Him. You need to know the true gospel. You need to know that this is an evil age that you need to be delivered from. And yes, delivered from the evils and perils, from our addictions, from our coping mechanisms, from the ways that we hurt each other, but even from death. Even if we were well behaved and we'd still died, it would be an evil age. You need to know Jesus. And those of you who are hearing my voice and you already know Him, don't waste your time. Why do we waste our time with these false gospels? Believing things that aren't true, making it about us and our behavior, not about Him. We only have 70, 80, 90 years here, and we have forever with Him, and we're always going to know Him and love Him and get to enjoy fellowship with Him and one another forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That's great news. That's the good news. That's the real gospel. The real gospel isn't, that's all there, but. Here's all the things you got to do to make that happen. It's that that is all available to you right now, and it's a free gift that costs God everything. And a God who's willing to give everything to give us that is a God who is worthy of our worship. That's a God who deserves all the glory. I'm sure people might look at me and say, dude, your grandpa's dead. Why are you hanging on to this hope, this afterlife, this heaven, this Jesus thing? Don't you know that if there's a real God and he made this world that's this broken, that has this much pain in it, he's some kind of brute, maleficent, 
evil God, not a good one. You're a fool, Josh. You are a fool. And I get that for the people who think that way. For those who think that way, they are actually closer to the real gospel than many of us who sit in church on Sunday. Because you get that this is the real thing. It's either, I'm either seeing something that's true that you don't see, or I am a total fool. It's one or the other. The true gospel will make us look like fools. And that's okay. Religion, the way that the world looks at things is tit for tat. You purchase it and then you get the goods. So we got to owe God and give Him what His due is and then He will give to us. That's not the real gospel. I am a fool or I see what is actually really there that other people don't see, and I don't think I'm a fool. My mama didn't raise no fool. Jesus is there, and He cares. This I know, the psalmist says, this I know that God is for me. And He's for you too. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.